If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. Summoning all the power in my body, Trey. Feel it, dude. I feel it. it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, tune into the newest edition of the Punchless Memory Podcast. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here with the flying Hawaiian himself, Trey Van Buskirk. What's up, dude? Oh, my God. You sync that so good. I'm going to be honest. Eon Kutalaba gets taken off the car because of COVID-19. Dude, call me the Hulk, man. I'm busting through my shirt right now. I'm so pumped. I know, I know, dude. I can't stand. Listen, Kutalaba, like I said before, represents the best of us. Us Caucasus Mountain Warriors. <laughs> my man, Elon Kutalaba, getting taken out by the daggone COVID, man. That COVID-19, it got him. Uh, dropping out at the last minute. Breaks my heart, my achy, breaky heart. Uh, but we'll get to see him. This fight against the neckbeard Ankalov will happen. It will happen. Come hell or high water, this fight will happen. Um, I, I honestly, if it gets canceled one more time, I'm going to go ahead and relegate it to the fights that we will see at the end of the world at Valhalla with right up there with Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. That's what I was going to say. That's going to be the secret undercover card. They're literally going to make a main card of those fights that never got put together. That's going to be the co-main right there. That'll be that'll be the headliner or the co-main on UFC Madagascar coming your way in twenty three because it'll be the only place left on earth where COVID nineteen does not exist. Dude, Boom. let's get into this real quick. But before we do, I know this is our recording day, and what day do we always record on? Oh, we record on Tuesday nights Tuesday. to launch on Wednesday. That's right. And you know what happens on Tuesdays? Taco Tuesdays. You know what I had today for dinner? Tacos. Tacos, tacos, tacos with ground Wagyu beef from Stay Classy Meats. Promo code FIST saved me 10% on the entire thing, and it was by far and away the best tacos I've ever had, man. I'm, it is so great to be able to make the best food that I eat, whether I pay for it or not, at my house. So Stay Classy Meats, promo code FIST, save me 10% on the entire thing. Trey, fantastic Taco Tuesday. Uh, of course, you know, and it's the thing is, on a pay-per-view card like we have coming up oh. this Saturday, you're going to mm-hmm. have people over. So why not be prepared? Not just be prepared with our picks, but the pick of the litter when it comes to meat. Right. That's right. Listen, you, 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 like I said, you cannot be beat when you pick this meat. <sighs> wow. You can't. You can't, dude. You can't. You can't. I tell you, our, our whole podcast is focused around meat. <laughs> it is. In one way or another. We start with meat and we end with meat does not matter. All right. <sighs> anyway, dude, I'm hyped up, dude. I don't know if you can tell. I don't dude, know if you can tell or not. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. But, you know, if you are sweating, you don't want to wear a shirt that just drapes over you and just shows all that sweat mark, though, my brother. No, no, no. You got you need, you need something that's breathable yet fashionable. Um, yeah, you need something like that. The, uh, the problem is those shirts are hard to find. They are hard to find, and they're hard to find at an affordable price, I'll tell you that. But 
our friends at Allegiance Clothing not only outfit you in stuff that's breathable, that's stylish, that's just all around amazing. And they also are going to provide you, our listeners, an amazing code. And that is going to be the code PUNCH. And you're going to be able to use that at allegianceclothing.com. And that's going to get you 15% off site-wide. Hmm. 15% off site-wide. All right. Let's get after this, dude. Let's get, let's get after this. Like we said, Iwan Kutalaba. And what's Uncle Lev's first name? Doesn't matter what his name is. <laughs> Neckbeard. Neckbeard Onkolov got dropped. We're going to assume that Jim Miller versus Vince Pichel is going to get the bump up. Uh, let's show the whatever, how, I don't know, 117 fight UFC veteran Jim Miller some some recognition here. We're going to put him on the pay-per-view going against Vince Pichel. This is shadow boxing with a pulse. This is fighting your conscience come to life in Jim. And I've said this before, and I will say it again, Trey. Jim, best nickname in the game, A-10, Miller, taking on Vince from hell, Pichel. Jim Miller, 32 and 14, Lyme disease and all, taking on Vince Pichel at 12 and 2. Dude, what are you thinking, and where do we go with this? It is literally the guy who's fought the most times versus the guy we never see fight. Vince mm. Pichel, who's literally been at the UFC banner for six years, has only fought six times. Mm-hmm. He's going up mm-hmm. a guy who's fought 600 times, man. Mm-hmm. I think if we saw anything, Jim Miller, the resurgence, after the Carl Robinson fight, this guy is a danger. And we know he's a danger. He's a black belt on the ground, former NCAA wrestling champion. It's going to be a long night for Vince Pichel. He's, he's going to be put some serious issues against him. Yeah, so Roosevelt Roberts, mutual opponent between these two. Um, Roosevelt, sorry. That's okay. I knew who you meant. Roosevelt Roberts, mutual opponent between these two. Remember, Roosevelt Roberts beat Jim Miller. We called that. Said that Jim Miller was too much experience for Roosevelt Roberts. Roosevelt Roberts. Or no, was it the flip side? It It was the other way around. Roosevelt fought Vince Pichel. Was yes. it not? Yes. Yes. Roosevelt fought Vince Pichel, who we said Vince would beat him because Vince fights like Jim Miller. Wait, I got to hold on a second. No, dude, now you're freaking me out. I think I'm it's Jim Miller. Six. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Because I feel like Jim Miller just fought him. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That Like he just called him Carl Robinson, though. I don't know where that came I don't, from. I don't know. Out of my mind. Yeah. I w- yes. Okay. So, Vince Pichel fought Roosevelt Roberts on 629-19. Jim Miller, because the wheels have fully come off here already, <laughs> Jim Miller fought Roosevelt Roberts on 620-2020. So, I was right. Yeah. Vince Pichel fought Roosevelt Roberts, who I said would have a hard time with Vince Pichel because Vince Pichel fights a lot like Jim Miller. Yes. This was prior to the Jim Miller booking, but I said that a guy like that, who's small, compact, good with submissions, decent stand-up, would give a guy like Roosevelt Roberts a hard time. Vince Pichel goes on and wins that fight. Then what do they do? They go back and they book my man Roosevelt Roberts against Jim Miller, who is the easy choice to beat him and upset that even more, and he does exactly that. Now, in a moment of complete, I don't know, MMA gods being mad at me, at us, spiting us, 
Um, they book these two gentlemen against each other. Like I said, this is shadow boxing with a pulse. This is fighting with your conscience. This is Jim Miller, wholesome, hot dad summer, taking on Vince from hell, Pichelle. This is an angel demon matchup here, man. And I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. My heart leans Jim Miller. I'll, I'll do Jim Miller all day. Okay. I'm I'm not worried about this. Literally, Vince Pichelle has got to do everything in his power to stay on his feet. Mm. If he does not stay on his feet, undoubtedly, this is going to go in Jim Miller's way. Yes. Jim Miller's only downside here in this fight. One, he's an underdog, plus 105 to Vince Pichelle, minus, one, minus 120. Shocking. 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 Uh, but that's a very respectful line, I believe, because I don't. I believe this fight is close. Like I said, this is shadow boxing with a pulse. Um, Vince Pichelle will have a cardio advantage over Jim Miller. He will. Jim Miller, in his age, um, and all due respect, uh, compromised body due to mileage and Lyme disease. His gas tank has been lacking at, I don't say lacking, at best the last few years. You get two solid rounds out of Jim Miller. We're going to need two good rounds out of Jim Miller and then survival in the third in order to, to, to beat Vince Michelle. Let's take Jim Miller. Let's start off the show with an underdog pick. Plus 105. Do it. Say it. I love do it. it. Do no, it. I, I'll do it. And I'll, to, to further it, I'm going to be honest. There's got to be a little bit of weight in those that have already fought in the Apex. Mm. You know? That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's do okay. it. Further confidence. Yeah, let's go after it. All right. Moving on. John Dodson, the magician. Taking on Marab Davishvili at 10 and 4. John Dodson at 21 and 11. John Dodson is a sizable, sizable. You hear me when I say this? A sizable underdog here, Trey. Plus 190 on some books. I've seen him as high as plus 196 on other books. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. If you want great odds on this fight, uh, Sportbet has got great odds on this fight. John Dodson at a plus 196, because you know what we're going to say here? Why are we so concerned about what John Dodson's odds are at? Why, Dale? Because we're going to take John Dodson over Marab Philly. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Dude, are you starting the show off with two underdogs right now? Oh, gosh. I am going to start this card out with two underdogs. I am. We've been feeling good lately, and when I'm feeling good, I'm feeling dangerous. Here's the thing, right? My man Marab coming straight out of straight out of Georgia, just a wrestler, true and true, right? Went over Gustavo Lopez, went over Casey Kenny, went over Brad Katona, went over Terry and Ware, right? Super, super quality wins at Bantamweight. Okay. But let us not forget the pedigree of opponent of one John Dodson. Is John Dodson older? Yes. Has John Dodson lost more fights than Marab? Yes. But the type of quality opponent that John Dodson has been fighting since the early 2010s is second to none. Second to none in Bantamweight and Flyweight. I would argue that there's not a person with a more stacked and difficult schedule in all of Bantamweight and Flyweight right now than John Dodson. That's my argument. I love it. I love it. Um, the magician, right? Let me tell you a couple tricks this guy pulls out of his hat. With a 5-3 frame Mm -hmm. this guy's got the now you see me now you don't he's quick he's quick as shit yes you know one of his other most famous tricks is this guy is extremely effective on counters when people start to bull rush this guy people forget how much strength he has in his fist he can lay you out we've seen it before he defends takedowns extremely well and we look at devolish willie 
This is a guy that's going to lay on you. He's going to utilize his cardio that everyone's been talking about for days and days and days. That he's going to make you carry his weight. And yes, why that is while that is daunting for a five three frame, someone that can get out, negate that takedown, move around the cage, deal with the bull rushing counter strike, boom, lights out. There's a chance that the magician could get this done. But you can't count out Dwalish Willie. And tell me why people are so hyped on this guy without the strength of competition. Because he's he's Aljamain Sterling's main training partner. And mm. every time that he wins a fight, the fights that he wins are non-competitive. If he's winning a fight, it is not competitive. It is by mauling. He's able to outpace, outcardio, outstrength everybody he fights. With that being said, though... Guys like John Dodson are notorious for finding ways to win fights. If they're losing, they're losing by split decision. If they're winning, they're winning fights that you wouldn't think that they they should be winning. It's unbelievable. And he has somehow managed to turn back the clock. He comes back off a big TKO win over Nathaniel Wood um, after losing back-to-back to Jimmy Rivera and Piotr Jan. But prior to that, split decision win over Pedro Munoz. Before that, a split decision loss. To Marlon Marais, where we saw cards where one judge had it 30-27 for John Dodson. The, another judge had it 30-27 for Marlon Marais, thus exemplifying all the things that are wrong with MMA judging. But my point remains the same, is that if you're looking at this card and you're looking at who underdogs are and who who favorites are, at minus, or I'm sorry, at plus 195, there is not a bigger dog on this card that has a chance to win their fight than John Dodson. I, I totally agree. I think this is this suits him well. We've seen John Dodson's eight of his last 10 fights go to decision. If Dwalish Willie cannot get this down to the ground, utilize his ground and pound, his black belt in judo to bring it to the ground, I see John Dodson utilizing that counter, moving around, using his quickness, squeaking out a decision here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can see... I, I see this fight going to a decision where both camps are sitting there with their fingers crossed going, uh, yeah, and I, I'll take my chance because when we're doing a fight like that, you're giving me 50-50 odds, and I'll take 50-50 odds, man. I'll take it. I'll take oh, yeah. it all day long. All right, dude. We're going from little guys to big guys. JDS, Junior Dos Santos, former heavyweight champion of the world on what seems like a lifetime ago at 21-7, and seven, taking on Yerzinho Rosenstrike. At 10 and 1, the one loss coming by an absolute clubbing from Francis Ngannou. No shame there, but he is making a rather quick turnaround for taking a beating like that, in my opinion. Coming back and fighting Junior Dos Santos in the heavyweight clash. Uh, look, man, this is going to be a wild fight. Rosenstrike is a minus 140 favorite to the former uh, title holder, Junior Dos Santos, at plus 120. And I feel I feel like you're, le- you're leaning Rosenstrike here. But please... Tell me why. Well, you know, it took a lot of effort, took a lot of time out of my work day to watch his last fight. I will say mm-hmm. that. 20 mm-hmm. seconds to Francis Ngannou. But, you know, before that, people have got to look at the guy's resume. And I'm not talking about strength of schedule. If you're going to do that, you're going to give that to JDS all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's fought Ngannou, got knocked out. Curtis Blades, knocked out. But even prior to that, the former champ, we all know his strength of schedule. Stipe Miocic, Cain Velasquez, Frank Mir. It's all over the place. The guy has... The fight IQ, and he has the stamina to get through this fight. Rosenstruck, though, is a dirty, dirty kickboxer. And I'm loving to get your take on his kickboxing. Coming from a 76-8-1 record, the guy's legit. He should have a good fight IQ on the feet. But 
I think you have a little bit of take on JDS and why he can exploit some of that kickboxing. Well, I think so. So here's a couple different things, right? Is we've seen Junior Dos Santos really develop his kicking game over the last few years. Um, we saw with the the spinning heel kick knockout of Mark Hunt, um, and we've seen him use leg kicks in the past. What we have not seen from Rosenstrike, despite the fact that he has a very long and prestigious kickboxing record, is he has not shown a real great ability to utilize kicks or check kicks in that regard. This is a guy that stood across from Alistair Overeem for 24 minutes and 38 seconds and really did very little uh, to beat up the legs or stop the attack from Alistair Overeem. And I would argue that there's not really a more decorated kickboxer in the heavyweight division currently in the UFC than an Alistair Overeem. Um, we're talking about a K1 Grand Prix champ uh, in Alistair Overeem, right? And Rosenstruck... And I don't care what anybody says. One, bad stoppage by Dan Mergliata in that fight. He should have stopped it. And two, Alistair Overeem was winning that fight prior to the, to the right. stoppage. Um, so Junior Dos Santos, while he does not have that sort of kickboxing pedigree, he does have good fundamentals when he wants to use them. My problem with JDS has always been this, right? He, he carries that right hand super low. He's always looking for the uppercut. Everything's super wild and over the top. He comes from super unorthodox angles. A guy like Rosenstruck, in reality, should have very little problem with a guy like JDS. But here's the problem with Rosenstruck. He's lazy when he pumps out that jab. He he flicks it out, and he doesn't bring it right back. There's no snap to it. He just throws it out and uses it as a feeler for his right hand. You also don't see him utilize anything that would indicate that he has some sort of illustrious kickboxing record. Now, that record, who's he fighting? Like, it, are we, what, 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 what country is he from? Is it Suriname? Where's he from? Dude, don't even. Doesn't I, he? Right. So is he? Not American. Right. So is he seven, <laughs> is he, what, is he 76, 8, and 1 fighting in, in a country like that? You know, honestly, th this makes it sound super casual, but I just don't, I don't care enough about making this pick to dig deep into where this guy was fighting his professional kickboxing fights at, because I like him in this fight against junior dos Santos. I don't need to see where he was fighting at, but I'm just concerned that utilizing his kickboxing record as the basis for the bet is, I don't want to say it's foolish, but it's, it doesn't weigh that heavy with me because and I know I've been talking for a while here because I think he has the tools in the speed and the power to give JDS fits because that's what we've seen as JDS is getting older is that he's slowing down and he does not, he does not react to power as well as he used to remember the maulings he took from Cain Velasquez. Right. Those took years off of his life, right? The yeah. knockouts to Stipe Miocic, the knockouts of Francis Ngannou, those type of things. When you're getting rocked by guys like Curtis blades, your chin's going right. You're it's going and there, there, we can't do anything to stop that. So time is the biggest factor here why I'm taking Rosenstrike. So look at it like this. So you said it perfectly. With Dos Santos, he's a guy where we know because of the damage that's been inflicted on him, his gas tank has eroded year after year after year. You know, it depends what type of JDS is going to come into this fight. Is it going to be one that's very cognizant of the fact that he does not have that gas tank and he's going to get into a firefight hoping to land you know, that uppercut or whatever it is, or is it going to be one that's going to be a little bit more technical? We saw him utilize that technical striking when he fought uh, Derek Lewis, outstriking the shit out of him. Yeah. That was a high 
fight IQ fight. If he comes in like that, I think that's going to be really, really great. But I think if he gets into that firefight, I see Rosenstruck capitalizing on that all day long. He wanted to do that against Nagano. He's been humbled. He's ready to come back. He's ready to select his shots, but that doesn't mean he's going to rein it in. So Rosenstruck's still going to throw for the fences. Yeah. I will say this. Following JDS on Instagram over the last couple of months, it seems like he's put a lot of effort into leaning up his frame, which I'm hoping is a translation directly from a lot of cardio that's coming in. Um, which could lead to the idea that he's going to try to fight a more technical fight, like you're saying. And he is going to try to extend this thing a little bit longer. Over-under on rounds is currently at one and a half. I might be interested in a slight sprinkle on the over one and a half here if he makes Rosenstrike try to chase him for the first five minutes. I'm just not confident that he can stay away from Rosenstrike in a small cage like the Apex for 15 minutes. I'm not sold on that. And you, you commented on his frame, yet you stayed away from the mustache. I did stay away from the mustache. It creeps me out. What does it uh, mean, though? I don't know what it means, man. I don't know. You put out a poll today about mustache. I thought you'd be all about the mustache. No, no. The mustache ride was Mike Beltran or Eddie Wineland because they are notorious mustachioed men. Ah, uh, mustachioed men. Well, we all know JDS is a new, new mustache, so, so I know you're a big believer in new haircuts. Does a mustache way into a fight yeah i hate new haircuts prior to a fight i absolutely hate it a uh, couple big things guys that i i don't like right i don't like when guys get new haircuts right before fights i don't like when guys shave their facial hair i don't like when they have kids in between fights um and i don't like when fighters say it's the best they've ever felt Ooh. anytime you hear one of those things if you hear it and i said the, and i said go the other way fade me immediately We'll save that for the main event tonight. Okay. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> bum, 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 foreshadowing. Yeah, All foreshadow. Right. <laughs> Co-main event of the evening, Sean O'Malley. The Sugar Show's back, 12-0, and 0, taking on Marlon Chito Vera at 17-6-1. Trey, you and I. I don't get talk. it, dude. I don't get it. We're going to talk about this, and I feel like this is the most disrespectful line on the card. Uh, Sean, Sean O'Malley at some places as high as minus 335. Um, Vera, as far as underdog goes, as high as plus 265 some places. Um, I really don't know what to say about this. I don't believe that the Sugar Show deserves this much hype. Has he been good? Yes. Did he beat Eddie Wineland, who we just said, yeah, and we thought Eddie Wineland was going to beat Sean O'Malley? Also, yes. But the reason why we thought Eddie Wineland might surprise the world is the same reason why I think Marlon Cheeto Vera might surprise the world here, is I don't know how good Sean O'Malley is, and I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to admit that he's really good yet or not. Dude, I don't understand why everyone looks at this so black and white. I understand prospects and I understand stand, uh, getting things done in a devastating fashion. But like you said, Eddie Wyland or Jose Quinones, like, dude, that's not strength of schedule. Give me a no. fucking break. No. Dude, O'Malley is doing everything he can to garner as much interest. He's clout chasing like crazy, calling out Cody Garbrandt. Yes, his striking's on a different level. Dude, slow your roll. It's just like Cody said, you know. I wish Cody would fight him. Cody's got the Davison Figueroa fight, but he said it perfectly. Dude, once I'm done with that fight, maybe you'll fight someone in the top 15 and maybe we can chat. But here's the thing. He has a massive vulnerability in his game. Dude, he is a purple belt. 
Yeah. Marlon Vera is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And that's not to say he is one-dimensional by any means. Marlon Vera's got great technical striking. He's he's fought the great people in the bantamweight division. I think standing, he's going to be able to be a little bit smarter than Eddie Wyland was. And God forbid it gets on the ground. Dude, O'Malley's not going to know what the fuck to do. Yeah, or at least we think. We think. think. We don't know. Sorry, we, don't, yeah. we don't know. So I, I'm, I'm willing to do this. Right. And let, let's put an ask, not, not an asterisk, but a caveat. Right. Let's put the divot in it. Okay. Is I think I'm personally going to play Cheeto Vera. And the, the reason why I think I'm going to play Cheeto Vera is because I am, I have yet to be converted to a sugar show uh, subscriber. What? You're looking at me wild here. Yeah. I'm looking at you wild because you're making it a personal play, dude. I'll put a, fucking world stamp on this play right now okay fine let's do it i am just as confident in this as i have been in my women's fights the past three cards dude okay that's fine we're gonna do that so that just just to be clear we're taking (laughs) just to be super clear about this we're gonna take jim miller as an underdog we're gonna take john dodson as an underdog we're gonna take urizinho rosenstrike at a slight favorite at minus 140 and we're going to take Cheeto Vera at a plus. I'll just go biggest. We'll get it as big as we can. Plus 265 underdog. Should I call my boss right now and say, I fucking quit because I'm about to become a millionaire? Maybe so. Well, let's do it. Let's parlay all these with our main event pick of the evening. Okay. Stipe Miocic, 19 and three, taking on Daniel DC Cormier at 22 and two. The hype has been all about legacy. The hype is about, you know, lasting. Uh, for all of eternity, who's the determined one, the baddest man on the planet, and two, the greatest heavyweight the UFC has ever seen? Will it be Daniel DC Cormier or will it be Stipe? Immigrant, immigrant pride. I'm just going to start throwing that out there. I need that to stick. They always talk about how he's got that immigrant mentality, that immigrant pride. Stipe Miocic, minus 105, the slight dog to Daniel DC Cormier at minus, one, minus 115. So. We, we talked about this a couple minutes ago, um, saying that you feel the best you've ever felt. Yes. Um, I don't want to say that outright Daniel Cormier has been saying that, but what he has been saying is this is for my legacy. That yeah. this, there's a lot of emotion that comes into it. Um, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to put my gloves down in the center of the octagon? This is mm. my last fight. I'm never coming back to sign on the dotted line. There's not going to be a Jones, Jones trilogy. This is it. This is for the rubber strap. This is for all the marbles. The big issue I take with that is as much as he believes that he can compartmentalize that, Uh I don't believe it. I don't believe what he's saying. He literally said for his last fight that the only reason he lost was because he got emotional. If a guy got emotional in the midst of his fight, how does he not think with everything he's got going on, his family and this is it and, you know, commentating and Errol Hawaii, all this crap – He's going to literally come in there and say, oh, no, I'm solely focused on the fight. No, he's thinking about the after. He's thinking about how this is going to portray him going forward. And that carries so much emotional weight. So if we're worried about his cardio in the past, I think that you can at least take a round off him because the emotional stress he's going to carry is going to bear that weight and diminish 
his cardio. The biggest issue I'm having for Stipe, though, is he vied for a larger cage. He needed that larger cage, and it fell flat on his face because he knew he needed to strike from distance. He knew he didn't want to deal with Cormier in the clinch, utilize his wrestling, needed to strike from distance. Cormier's going to want to go pressure, pressure, pressure. How is Stipe going to win this fight? All he's got to do is stay away. He's got to utilize, you know, the one vulnerability that DC said is don't punch me in the gut. He's going to capitalize on that. He's going to know that he's going to be aware of that. Strike from distance, utilize your reach, run around the cage. But in that type of apex cage, is that even feasible? I don't know if it's feasible. I'm going to say this about the Cormier in the second fight, though. He came in fat. Um, mm. Heavyweight, he's always, you know, given the frame, he's always a little bit chunkier. But if you look at the first fight against Stipe, given to the second fight against Stipe, he looked fat in the second fight. Like, not that I'm not saying he didn't train. But he looked comfortable in the sense that I've knocked this guy out once before. I'll do it again. He looked out. He looked like a guy that was fat and happy in the second fight. He looked legitimately fat. I mean, look, it happens, right? You get married. You do this. You do that, and the other. You win a world championship, whatever the case may be. The happiness in your life, right, is directly correlated to the size of your your gut, or the size of your gut is directly correlated to the happiness in your life. It can be. It doesn't always work that way, but it must most certainly is right so um you know you see fat and happy but you also see depressed and fat too like it usually on one end of the spectrum or the other you get fat and dc in that instance i think was grossly out of shape and you know capitalized now that being said a couple things that worry me one i'm worried dc wants this too much i think he wants this fight too badly i think it's we see this like we did with the second John Jones fight as he feels like he absolutely has to have this or everything he's been working for is for not. And I don't necessarily know because we only have two times instances where he lost, both of which were to a steroid using cheater. Um, but the, the times that he's lost, he was too emotionally invested in the fight. He was too emotionally invested in John Jones one he knew he had to beat John Jones the second time or everybody was just going to completely shit on him. And he lost both fights. He yeah. wanted it too bad. He was too emotionally invested. He's very emotionally invested in this fight. Not because he doesn't like Stipe, not because Stipe beat him, but because he needs this fight for his legacy. He needs this fight for what he wants to leave the sport with. And with that, DC has shown himself to not allow himself to perform well when he puts that kind of pressure on himself. That being said... I think Stipe is arguably one of the greatest heavyweight fighters in the history of our sport. I 100% believe that. But I also believe that Daniel Cormier does not need to be his absolute best to beat Stipe Miocic. I think if Daniel Cormier goes out there and wrestles like a, a, an yeah. Olympic alternate, he can beat Stipe Miocic eight out of ten nights. And I think that DC is not worried about being pretty. He's not worried about doing it with style. He's not worried about finishing Stipe. Yeah. He's worried about going out there, getting the W by hook or by crook, and getting the hell out of there. I don't think DC's or I don't think Stipe rather is going to be able to move around. I don't think that he's going to be able to frame off and punch. I think he's going to be in the clinch, smashed against the cage, getting picked, getting chain wrestled, the freaking oblivion until the point where he can't take it anymore. And then we're going to see a ground and pound finish by DC somewhere around round three. My pick. No, I, I I could get on board with that. But the thing is, I think that a lot of people need to look at the emotional side of DC um, as a tale of two roads here. There's one where you can be highly emotional 
and you can just let all of your technique, all of your, uh, your patience, everything go out the window. And there's another one where you become so emotionally invested that you just kind of go back to the ABCs. And I'm hoping he goes that path because if he goes back to the ABCs, his foundational setup is wrestling. And I think in a small cage, the foundation of wrestling is going to get this done. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the shit on Stipe. I think Stipe is an amazing fighter. And I think if it's literally Stipe versus anybody else in the UFC heavyweight division, I, you have to take Stipe. Yeah. You have to. Um, I, I literally don't have a single negative thing to say about him at all. I think he's well-rounded. I think he hits hard. I think he's got great kicks. He's got good wrestling. I, I just think that Daniel Cormier's wrestling, if he comes out and showcases that Legion of Doom mentality that he had when him and Cain Velasquez were that dual threat, with Cain Velasquez in the heavyweight division and him just coming over in the UFC from strike force and, and entering the light heavyweight mix and just, you know, the, the DC that picks up the Dan Henderson's of the world and drops them on their head. The DC's that single leg Alexander Gustafson and almost throw them over the cage. Like if that DC shows up on Saturday night, it's not even competitive, but that was the DC of five, six years ago as well. And nobody, everybody knows that you're not the same fighter you were six years previously and you won't be the same fighter six years from now. Um, but if that DC shows up, this fight is relatively uncompetitive. Um, again, I still like DC, you know, I know that, you know, that as far as a play goes, that's our play. Um, personally, I'm going to probably play DC inside the distance and then a prop play DC in round three, just me personally. I like that one as well. Um, just cause I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think he gets it done. Their fights are usually ending in the second to fourth round. So I'm going to hit it right in the middle. Poof get it at three um, and see what I can do there. That's again, that that's me. Um, for those that are interested in those kind of plays, um, Daniel Cormier in round three is at a plus 975. Wow. So that's, again, that's just how I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little froggy. Love it. You're wearing the green tonight too. I am wearing the all green. All makes sense. I'm all, yeah. all right. You want to run through some of these? You just want to rattle off the prelims and you want to uh, rattle through the prelims real quick. Why don't you to? rattle through them? And if I give some insight, whether that's the, uh, the female MMA, I'll jump in, but, um, we're pretty aligned here. Okay. Chris Dawkins at eight and three, taking on Parker Porter at 10 and five Dawkins at eight and three is a big boy, man. Six two, two hundred and sixty 260 pounds tip in the scale. Um, big time going to, I mean, just absolutely crazy coming off back to back knockout wins. Uh, one in CES and one in CFFC. Uh, last fight was in August of 2019, I believe. So we're looking at a year layoff. Taking on Parker Porter. Parker Porter, again, six foot tall, 260 pounds. Uh, both of these guys, just massive, man. Coming off back to back wins as well, one by knockout, one by submission. Look, man, these are both guys with a little bit of discipline that could probably make the 205 range. These are two big sloppy heavyweights. I don't see this fight going the distance. Over under on rounds is at one and a half, and it's there for a damn good reason, Trey. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. This is really kind of a pick as far as I see it. Um, Dawkins has a, you know, his brother just came in and took it to Brendan Allen uh, in that middleweight fight. What was that? Kyle Dawkins, I believe his yep. name is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, little little jujitsu whiz. Um, Parker Porter, though, man, I think he's going to be bigger. I think he's going to be heavy, more heavy-handed. I still 
am really hesitant to even put a pick out on these guys. I'd almost avoid this fight altogether. But people don't pay us to avoid fights. Well, they don't pay us anyway, but people don't listen to us um, for, you know, for us to just completely back away from fights here. So I'm going to take the slight favorite in Parker Porter, uh, but mostly because he sounds like a generic Spider-Man. Now he's, he's definitely, yeah, that's true. <laughs> definitely has uh, got a little bit more power in his hands. Um, Dalkus has got a little bit better of a wrestling foundation though. Um, but I think that this is going to be, like you said, this is going to dwindle. These guys are not going to have the cardio to go past one and a half. No way. I don't think the technical IQ is there at all. So someone's going to get slept and I could see Dalkus being the guy on the receiving end of that. All right. All right. Let's keep things moving. And then we've got TJ Brown taking on Danny Chavez. Chavez at 10 and 3. TJ Brown at 14 and 7. Oh man. Again, I can make a I can make cases for every fight on this card. And, and legitimately, that was one of the hardest things we ran into with this was trying to figure out how on earth we were going to do this. Danny Chavez is a plus 135. TJ TJ Brown minus 155. This fight, I think, is this this card or this line needs to be a lot closer to a pick I'm going to take TJ Brown here, though, man. Um, he's right now he's sitting at the minus 155, but I'm going to take him. 14 and 7, you know, look good on contender series. Lost to Jordan Griffin due to guillotine choke, but, you know, you and I both believe that Jordan Griffin, despite his last performance, is a prospect to look out for. Um, I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to be a little, a little too gritty, um, a little too in your face for Danny. Even though Danny's ten and three, he's fought decent competition. Um, I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go TJ here. Let's get it. Let's get it done for TJ. I agree. Yep. Perfect. All right. All right. And then we're gonna skip over the Fleece Herrig Verna Yonderoba fight for a split second and jump right to Herbert Burns, the younger brother of one welterweight title challenger Gilbert Burns. Herbert Burns sitting at eleven and two, taking on Daniel Pineda with a wealth of experience. Again, a wealth of experience at twenty six and thirteen for Pineda. Uh, a lot of experience coming back on his end, coming off a big win knockout of Mavlid Kablyov. Uh, this was in the PFL. I'm going to take Herbert Burns if for no reason other than the fact that PFL guys have struggled coming back over to the UFC. They have struggled mightily don't forget that way back when uh daniel pineda used to fight in the ufc his last fight in the ufc was a unanimous decision loss to robert whiteford all the way back in 2014 since then uh he's fought on legacy bellator and the pfl pfl guys have struggled mightily since coming back to the ufc if they were gone and came back or since coming over just ask philippe Lins how hard that transition has been uh, I'm going to take Herbert Burns here, man. The Burns brothers are rolling. They are red hot. They are on, on fire, if you will. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take Herbert Burns here, but he's a sizable favorite here, Trey, at minus 290. I don't see necessarily a lot of value there other than maybe just throwing him in a parlay. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, first off, there's a, a wealth of experience, like you said, for Pineda, but um, he also has a wealth of fucking elevated uh, levels of testosterone. The guy's a fucking cheater. That's why he's had his last two victories overturned in the PFL. That's why now he's over here. Dude, he essentially got ran out of there. If you look at Herbert Burns, he's going to run into like the biggest issue of his his life because Pineda is going to want to keep this standing. Herbert Burns, he's got great stand-up, but he's a freaking world-class jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, you know me and my jiu-jitsu guys, but it's no joke. And when your brother you know, is a welterweight title contender, you've got a good training partner, you've got a good – set up there. Herbert Burns is going to be a huge task. 
for this testosterone love in Pineda. Yeah. Uh, Herbert Burns by submission, by submission only, is at a minus 140, which I think might not be a bad play Ooh. if you're looking to get a little value on a fight where that's really hard to come by. All right, Oracle of Women's MMA. Let me run some, <laughs> the two chick fights that we have by you. Uh, you've been on fire lately, man. You're red hot 3-0 and over the course of the last two events. Um, let's get your takes on these real quick. Felice Herod, the little bulldog, coming back after almost two years away at 14-8, and eight, taking on Verna Yondaroba. They're doing her no favors, no favors whatsoever by giving her the 15-1 and one Verna Yondaroba here. Uh, huge underdog, as you might expect in a fight like this. Uh, she is currently sitting at a plus 260 Devon Naroba's uh, minus 320 tray. I want to find the value, and a, my heart wants to find the value in Felice. Riddled with injuries over the past two years, haven't seen her. Not a very great performance in her last bout. But I think the tough thing here is Felice is going to be definitely the more experienced and more intellectual fighter, but... Verna is such a threat on the ground. Felice, while she has great takedown defense, if she gets to the ground, her jiu-jitsu is just not to the level. Um, and Verna is going to come in a little bit heavy. If Felice can keep this standing, keep her butt up against the cage, get that squared off look, not allow for a double to get taken down or anything like that, strike, move around. And I feel like she's going to want to do that. She's going to want to feel it out for being out for two years or whatever it is. By the time she actually finds a rhythm, she's going to be smart enough to exercise her distance, exercise her reach, exercise her striking. She's not going to engage and get into these clinch matches and let Verna kind of take this to the ground. I really like Felice in this. Oh, should I do it? Uh, dude, I wouldn't. I'm not touching this fight with a 10 foot pole, dude. If you do this, this is on you. Dude, uh, man, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna take you're Felice. gonna go. With, you're gonna go with Felice Herrick for real. I go Felice Herrick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. You want to put any caveat on that at all? No, I don't believe in that. I'm all or nothing, dude. Okay. You're all or nothing on that. I'm gonna go ahead and do this real quick though. Uh, little little gentleman's wager, if if we can inside, if we can here. Uh, just just to throw this out because I don't know if you know these stats are out there or not. Uh, Yonderova. To win inside the distance is at a plus two thirty. Okay, she's fifteen and one. Okay, okay, it's just dude. Beyond. It's just like first off, it's just like Rosenstruck. Where's her strength of schedule? Okay, that's fine. Yonderoba, Yonderoba to win by TKO or KO is at a plus eight hundred. Okay, why would you take that? It's women's MMA. It's going to the decision. What's the de- what's it goes to decision minus ten uh, hundred. <laughs> Yonder Robo win by decision is at a plus 105. Plus 105. So fight goes to decision is at a minus 205. Um, Yonder Robo by submission is at plus 275. Don't forget her last win came by submission when she uh, submitted Mallory Martin. She's a threat on the ground. That's what makes me so nervous about this. But I Felice knows that that's, I don't want to say she's a one trick pony, but Felice knows that this is the one place she cannot go. That is her shadow realm. Get away from there. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. Okay. Since 2017, uh, Yonder has fought five times. All three wins that she's had. No, I'm sorry. Three out of the four wins that she's had out of those five fights since 2017 have come via submission. 
don't doubt that. Okay, I'm just saying. Don't doubt that. I I know. Listen, I'm not trying to poke holes in your in your in your thing here. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to identify the value. You like Felice Herrick plus two sixty? That's great. Yonder Roba uh, by submission is at a plus two seventy five. Okay. I'm just saying whatever you feel like is more likely. But let's. You're the oracle here. I will gladly <laughs> publicly concede, like I did with the Cookie Monster play, if Felice Herrick goes out there and wins. Uh, I was high confidence on that. This is um, this is more moderate. This is moderate, moderate to low confidence. (laughs) Moderate to low. Yeah. All right. Last women's fight. Well, if you were moderate to low on this one, I can't even imagine (laughs) what this next fight's going to be. Ashley Yoder taking on Liviana Souza. Yoder at seven and five is at a plus one forty. Souza, if you will, is at a minus one sixty. And you know, Trey, let's just let's be honest here, man. Ashley Yoder, any chance whatsoever here against Liviana Souza at 13 and two? I mean, yes, there okay. is. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is, this is the typical grappler versus grappler, except for one of them is a better submission artist and the other one's going to come in heavier. It's kind of like an Aspen lad type body style versus um, a much thinner, I don't know what you want to call Valentina Shevchenko type looking person. This is the thing. Ashley Yoder is going to, be the heavier person coming into this. She is going to be tough to move, whether that's from butterfly guard, get off to the side. It's going to be tough to, if in fact she's on top, to flip that, flip the script on that. The the issue is Sousa presents the most dangerous submission threat. They're both, I believe, black belts, but the thing is Sousa's dangerous when it comes to it. She can pull off anything. She pour off arm triangles from the bottom. She can pull off, you know, I mean, her Americanas are dirty. She's she's a threat across everywhere you can see in, in jiu-jitsu facets, but Ashley Yoder is going to be coming in heavier. And I just, ah, man, there's not much space in that apex octagon, man. I don't know. I like Yoder. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and all right, that's fine. Whatever you say, man. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, again, uh, women's dude, MMA, I'm not I, touching it. I, my, my one caveat is I have no confidence in both these women plays at all. But I will say this. I am going to put money on Ashley Yoder. I am going to put money on Felice Herrig. Um, I think that they both have – obviously, they both have the value. Um, and I do think they both have some pathway to victory and profitability. All right. Let's get after it then. All right. Speaking of profitability, nothing screams money like a shave sack. Um, <laughs> listen, when it's time to cash those checks after you're done snapping necks uh, and you're ready to get in bed – and show what you got and what you're working with. Uh, be confident. You know, confidence is key. Everybody likes a confident person, whether that be man, woman, non-binary, whether you identify as a wolf. doesn't matter. Confidence is key. Uh, and one of the ways you can be the most confident person that you possibly can be or non-binary wolf that you can be uh, is by utilizing, you know, what the good Lord gave you. And that's yeah. making it that's what making it look good, man. Go to manscaped.com. Get you one of those lawnmower 3.0s. Uh, trim that bad boy up, man. Make it look good. Uh, and you know, if you're able to do that, right. If you're able to, uh, what am I trying to say here? If you're able to showcase the goods, right. If you look at like you watch animal shows, what do they do? Right. It's always animals doing crazy dances and shit like that. They're always trying to present themselves to be, you know, some sort of dance of seduction to show themselves to be worthy mates. Right. You can't do that if there's coverings and all kinds of stuff around your junk, man. You got to free that thing up. Let your potential mate get a good eyeful of what you're working with so they know whether or not you're a good mate. I thought that's just that's nature. That's nature. 
I agree. I know I said this in one of our earlier shows, but I'll say it again because it resonates. Guys, I live in San Diego. The San Diego Zoo is a huge deal. That's Why true. are all the hot chicks drawn towards the turtle exhibit? Right. Dale, like, why are they drawn? Because they want sacks to look like turtle shells. Exactly why. So That's if exactly you guys why. want your sacks to look like a turtle shell, go to manscaped.com, utilize, utilize our code PUNCH. That's going to get you 20% off and free shipping, and you can be a turtle. And you can be a turtle. And you can be a turtle. Trey, we made some crazy picks here this episode, man. No. We did some crazy picks. Should we restart this? No. No, we're not going to do it. We're going to let it ride. We're going to let it ride. We're going to ride the momentum that we've had for the last three weeks where we've been absolutely killing it. And we're going to kill it on Saturday night. I have high confidence in our underdog-heavy picks. Hey, I was testing you, brother. Why don't you recap real quick the main card right here so people know what we're doing, what we're putting our stamp of approval on for UFC 252. All right. So what we are going to do for the main card here is we are going to take Jim Miller at a slight underdog against Vince Pichel. We're going to take John Dodson at a really big underdog against Marab <laughs> Davishvili. We're going to take Yerazinho Rosenstrike as a slight favorite over Junior Dos Santos. We're going to get super crazy and wild and take Marlon Vera as the biggest underdog of the night um, against Sean O'Malley. And then we're also going to take the ever so slightly favorited Daniel Cormier um, to beat Stipe Miocic in the trilogy match and ride off into the sunset and leave the entire heavyweight division in flux. Little tiny prop bets that we also like. Daniel Cormier in round three at plus 900 and some change. Um, Herbert Burns by decision, or no, I'm sorry, by submission. That was at what, minus 170? Is mm -hmm. that what that was? Mm -hmm. um, TJ Brown, Danny Chavez, we're not touching that. Um, outside of the TJ Brown pick, Chris Dock is Parker Porter. We're taking Parker Porter because he sounds like a generic Spider Man. Yep. You like Felice Herrig over Verna Yonderobo, but I like Yonderobo by decision as well. Uh, Felice Herrig is a big underdog. What was she, minus two and some change? Uh, Verna Yonderobo by submission is plus 230, I believe is what it was. And then you like Ashley Yoder over Liviana Souza uh, going underdog, underdog on those women plays. So uh, we're getting wild, man. So Wild, man. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> for all those that have been reaching out, congratulations. Here's your picks. Do what you will with them. These are what we believe in our heart. And this is what's sure. going to help us ride off into the sunset. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm throwing the world's most massive parlay together. And I'm just going to. That's it, man. That's it. So let's let's rock and roll. All right, guys. Be good to each other. Be sure to follow us on all social platforms. Follow mm -hmm. us at, at Punchless MMA. Absolutely everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't give a crap. Uh, if you love <laughs> us, if you hate us. Uh, shoot us an email at chat at punchlistmma. Uh, and we are the most active on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to us there with any questions about why we pick the things that we picked or what we think will happen. Uh, if you like our opinions that much and you trust us enough to break down some fights for you, that's great. If not, you just want to tell us that we suck. There's plenty of you guys that do that too. Um, but just know this, deep in my heart, I love all of you, even though I will tell you to go fuck yourself if you're being overtly rude. Uh, outside of that, Trey, I took a week off of social media. I'm jazzed up. I'm charged up. I'm ready to rock and roll, and we're going to crush on Saturday. I know. I know. I wanted to ask you about that, but you know what? You look refreshed. Thanks, you look man. good to go. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to have you back. Let's Thanks, fucking man. crush this card. Let's crush it. All right, guys. Be good to each other. Uh, support the show by supporting show sponsors. Shout out Stay Classy Meats. Promo code FIST. Saves you 10%. Allegiance Clothing. Go to Allegiance Clothing. Use promo code PUNCH. Yes. 
and that's 15% site-wide. And then go to manscaped.com, use promo code PUNCH as well, save you 20%, and get your free shipping. Supporting us means supporting our sponsors. Appreciate you guys. Be good to each other. Thank you.